Bongiorno and welcome to my Way of Thinking podcast, or more what for short, hosted by me, Lee Greeno, here live from the Man Cave every week. Now, I've got a very special episode for you today. Now, if you've been watching SAS Who Dares Wins, I'm a big fan, love it. It's, I think it's in the sixth season now. You know a lot of the characters, a lot of people that's on there, and it's the finale final finale whatever you want to call it this Sunday um, so I thought I'd get a very special guest on and one of my favorite contestants uh, from this season series uh, is Holly Hutchinson I was absolutely amazed when she turned up of course if you've watched some of the show you know Holly's transgender uh, and she was put through it and I really wanted to get her on the show she agreed to come on which I was so happy with and it, uh, this is one of my favourite interviews. We just talk about everything. Uh, we go deep into SAS and what, what the show's really like. It sounds worse than it, we actually see. Um, and she's just a brilliant character. She talks about uh, 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 the way she's um, always looking forward, always trying new challenges. She's just so courageous and... Um, such an inspiration you're gonna love this so make sure you keep listening in now my way of thinking is all about us amazing human beings that all have stories to tell those stories can vary massively but with the guests i'll be interviewing you'll always be able to take a little bit of advice or insight into how extraordinary we can all be and trust me holly is extraordinary now remember four rules one no bullshitting two no judging three no negativity and four have fun and we had some serious fun in this episode now previous episodes if you know the show it's not a niche show it sh- i should be better at niching it to get a bigger audience and doing lots of things but i just enjoy talking to interesting people i'm sorry and on the previous shows we've had people like nelly miles who's a spokeswoman for the Georgia uh, bureau of Inst- investigation we talk about american law and what's going on over there she- lovely lady before that was Adam Doherty uh, he's a, a sculptor worked on Jurassic Park Independence Day fascinating character so as you can see the show is not always quite straightforward but you'll always take a little bit of info insight and advice on how extraordinary we can all be and how these characters are all extraordinary as well which is what we're all here for is the human race we're all extraordinary Okay, remember the podcast streaming on the usual platforms, Spotify, iTunes, uh, YouTube as well, if you want to see this beautiful face. <laughs> Not so beautiful this morning, I'm knackered. Um, just put my way of thinking podcast in and we pop up everywhere. Remember to subscribe and rate. And finally, if you think you'd be a good guest or you know someone who'd be a good guest, then email me. It's mawattpodcast at AOL.com. Right, enough of me ranting. Listen to this fabulous interview. This is with a brilliant Holly. Okay, welcome to My Way of Thinking, and today I have a very special guest on. It is the one and only Holly Hutchinson. <laughs> welcome, Holly. Hello. Hello, thank you for having me. It's thank you so much for coming on. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm looking forward to just chatting a bit of rubbish for a bit and you know, getting to sort of tell people about myself, so it's Ex- all good. Excellent stuff. And the other good thing is, as well, I've managed to get you on as we lead up to the final episode of uh, SAS, yes. Who Dares Wins, which is this Sunday, isn't it? This Sunday. So, this Sunday. Yeah, you can give us all the dirt on all the instructors. <laughs> they're not here anymore to give you grief. 
That's it. They can't shout at me. There's no more angry men to shout at me or make me run around or be cold. Oh, oh, the cold. The cold. We'll talk. Look, we'll cover all that. We'll cover all that because it is it is a fascinating program. I mean, that's one thing you've been on it, but you've got to admit it's just it's just a fascinating thing. Now, what I always yeah. do whenever I get a guest on, before we get stuck in, I like to talk about a couple of news stories that I've spotted um, in the week, uh, and I look at I, I look at the news because I like to know what's going on. But you know what it's like. A lot of it is depressing shit, and I like yeah. to find something funny. Now, this one really interests me when I spotted this uh, today. It is this guy, Les Jones, 83, from Yorkshire, was left baffled by the cost of food in the city when his son ordered the family meal delivery on his bank card. He joked that he needed therapy after paying £54 for four portions of fish and chips at a London restaurant. I know! This is mad! Uh, Les Jones was left baffled by the cost of the food in the city after his son ordered the meal. Um, Gareth said his dad gave him his bank card to treat the family. Okay. Uh, And Gareth tweeted, Dad wanted to buy fish and chips. We let him give his card to pay. He's now trying to access therapy as he realises that fish and chips, four rounds of fish and chips was £54. Now, the reason I wanted to bring this up is, one, it's extortionate. But have you noticed in lockdown, we sometimes we'll get a takeaway and you've got the delivery price on top of the takeaway. You know, we had a McDonald's. Yeah. And it's like 25 quid and you're like, hold on. You That's lose perspective, it. don't you? Yeah, so I think the thing you've got to remember is, like, okay, a takeaway is a treat, but it's not like anything posh, you know. Yeah. It's not like going to a posh restaurant. It's supposed to be like cheap fish food. Because I think it's the same for me. Whenever I go back to see my parents, you know, we'll get a takeaway. And for the three of us, it's something like 30, 40 quid. Yeah. It's, it seems, it's I think, mad. I know I know. we've been through lockdown, and obviously, but I think some places are seriously taking the piss a little bit. They're taking advantage yeah. of it. Yeah, um, that's it. And it's I think... They were limited, so they're just like, well, yeah. let's get the old wheelbarrow out, get those shovels out, and we can just shovel yeah. it in. But I think uh, my lad, because he, he said, oh, do you want something the other morning? I said, no, and he got something like a Costa, you know, a coffee and a sandwich yeah. and it was like 18 quid and i was like what, what, what? you had <laughs> yeah. you, see, you know what you can do yeah so go to costa once mm. and keep the cup and then yeah. every time you make a coffee in the morning just put it in that cup <laughs> and then close your eyes or get your wife to give it to you and say oh, no. i've got you a costa <laughs> i think it was cold as well i was oh, i wouldn't have paid Jeez. for that but yeah, but it, yeah. Is an, it is an interesting one, the way that the takeaways, some of them have gone up. And the delivery fees, I've noticed, I mean, the delivery people are brilliant. They do the work hard. Let's get, you know, let's get that straight. But you can pay that's like £2.50 and then some places five ninety nine for delivery. Like, that's a lot yeah. of money really, isn't it? It's, it's ridiculous. Because, like, you know, like if you go back to £54, that's like a two-week budget for some families yeah. for like their yeah. whole food. Yeah, so, it's yeah, crazy because I, I I think back when I was I, I was a what we were a one parent family we didn't have much money, and to have a McDonald's but when they first started out was like a real treat. Yeah. I think some families now. Do you remember the time? You know when when it was a real treat. 
it was like a, you know it was maybe once every two months or so yeah like James yeah mcdonald's will sit down get the little trees with the crap advertising on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway so that interests me and now this one um was interesting because this is about a new TikTok craze, which always worries me when I hear things like that. Oh, God. <laughs> a fit and healthy 20-year-old woman uh, suffered a heart attack, and it's called the Draw Scoop Challenge. What they're doing, it's sweeping across uh, media, uh, social media. In April, the student ingested a mouthful of pre-workout protein powder without diluting it with water for an energy boost. And Ooh. I've seen... I work at a leisure centre, and obviously you're into fitness yeah what's your thoughts on that because it's dangerous stuff that they're all seem all the kids seem to have these little pots of caffeine powder now it's dangerous isn't it it's to be honest you shouldn't need a pre-workout because you know i'm all for so i do have my post-workout shake i'm yeah. fine with that you know yeah. get some milk post-workout shake i do take branch chain amino acids but there's no point in just having it for the sake because yeah. you're there to work hard. You're there yeah. to be in pain a little bit. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's not, not a magical adventure where you're going to skip around and have a laugh and stuff. Yeah. And but these actually people... considering, because mm. um, this is one thing that kind of grinds my gears, yeah. is I don't really do the gym, mm. but I see so many young people that will do a set and have a half an hour break in between each set. <laughs> On the so phone. I don't even need it. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you're doing a workout. <laughs> I know. It's true. I mean, we're, you know, I could tell straight away, Lily, we're old school where, you know, I don't go to the gym to sit on my phone. I'll go there an hour, smash it out, go home, feel good. But I think a lot of kids now think they can take pre workout and that'll do the job for them, which is worrying, isn't it? Because you have to put the effort in. It's that, but it's also dangerous because there's so many sort of chemicals and stuff in there. Yeah, you know the amount of caffeine that's in there. If you do it regularly, it's like drinking Red Bulls every day. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's not good for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean this this lady, you know, she did it because it was a TikTok challenge, which is terrifying because yeah. other kids see it, and this is what's wrong with social media. You know, social media. I've said this before on the show can be great, but it can also be very bad, and this is a perfect example. Um, so she did that, went to the gym, started getting pins and needles, thought something's not right, went to the hospital, and they said, yeah, you, you've had a mini heart attack. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just worrying. I think people need to be more responsible, um, you know, when you see these the idiots online showing off. Well, someone yeah. might see that, try it and not be as lucky as you. Um, but, yeah, it is, it is, it is, it is frightening. That's it. Cause I think, you know, the one thing that I always say to people is you're unique, mm. you know, do what you want to do. Yeah. And to be honest, I'm surprised you managed to mouth, like get the, it down the mouth without yeah, any sort of it. or anything. Like yeah. I just spit it out. I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And there's, and the other thing is there's no easy route to fitness. You have to put the work in. You will, Absolutely. you know, you'll feel better afterwards. But you can't, there's no easy route. You get out what you put in, and that's always true. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I feel like, you know, these sort of get the splits in 10, 10 days or <laughs> yeah. get a stick pack in 30 in yes. like two weeks. Yeah. It's all bollocks. What? <laughs> I'm sorry to shatter that illusion, but it's a load of bollocks. It really is. I know. Because the thing is, to me, this is how you can spot a good PC. 
Mm. If the PC is telling you you're going to get Australia in a month, run yeah. a mile. Yeah. It's just absolute bollocks. Yeah. It's the diet, it's the work. Yeah. You know, they're just, to I me, know. that's not a good PC. You get a lot of it online now, don't you, where they're trying to sell it. And, and of course, yeah. people are desperate. But it does make me laugh. I mean, what do you think uh, Anthony's mates would have said about this? They wouldn't have been happy, would they? <laughs> no, I, I think they would have probably thrown him off the cliff or just like <laughs> left him at the bottom of the sea somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, that's one thing you can say about these SAS guys. They put 110 in you know stuff like this they understand totally it's back to basics you put the work in you get you get it out and there's no there's no yeah. um but that's yeah it. yeah yeah so i mean they're super humans and mm. they everything they've done is just by sheer determination and mm. they just got on with it they've not yeah. kind of gone in to take the shortcut yeah, yeah, no shortcuts. Anyway, those two, those two stories <laughs> interested me. So anyway, thanks ever so much for coming on the show. I'm chuffed you came on. I contacted you because I thought you were great on the show, and I think the show is great anyway. I've always been interested in the military. One of my friends used to be in the SAS, um, and it's just, you know, it's something really interesting. Um, but also that you were the first you were the first transgender weren't you on on sas is that i was yeah I, so it's to me it was insane it yeah was kind of like i've actually made history like there's never been a transgender person in there yeah um, so it kind of blew my mind away when i was kind of like okay you're going on it yeah, um, yeah. but but it was crazy so i probably had like two weeks from being confirmed being out there <laughs> Jesus. So, I, I did not have any time to prep whatsoever. Yeah. Well, look, we'll, we'll, we'll cover that in a bit. But what I'm interested in is yeah. obviously what was it like growing up? Because I'm not sure of your history when you felt different or when yeah. you wanted to try and, you know, I don't know how it worked with you. Was it something that was always there in your mind when you were at school? How was that? Definitely. Mm. I mean, I, so I was born in 1990. So I'm kind of, I would say um, the last of the 90s generation yeah. where we were sort of in that blur between new and old coming in. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we still had tapes and stuff like that. Yeah. But it wasn't quite old, old. So, you know, I kind of, I remember when I was about three or four years old, that was probably the first time I sort of wore a piece of woman's clothing. Mm. Um, and I sort of was like, I don't know why I want to do this, but I did. Mm. And then I kind of just grew up through my teens and stuff, trying to dress whenever I could. Um, and then my teens were really hard because obviously yeah. I started growing this massive beard. Um, <laughs> I was more hairy than a gorilla. <laughs> you know, those puberty was kicking in hard and fast. <laughs> Typical, it isn't was, it? Uh, it was killing me. Like By the time I was 12, I needed to have a razor. Yeah. Because I was already growing a beard and stuff. Um, so, you know, I, I then started getting really confused and I look in the mirror and I just see this big, hairy yeah. sort of person. I was just like, you know, God made you a man. You need to be a man. Um, and the thing was, in my school, there weren't any gay kids. Mm. There was, you know, there wasn't this openness. Mm. So I didn't really meet anybody who was different or gay. It was all just boys are boys, girls are girls. Yeah. That's it. There's no in between or there's yeah. no switching yeah so it was never really talked about so because of that i kind of just put it all back in my mind 
And it wasn't until I went to college I actually met a gay person for the first time, first time. So I was 16. Yeah. Or I met people who were different with funky hair and stuff. Mm. So I thought, okay, I've got a chance to reinvent myself, but I'm not quite ready to, or I don't quite know what this feeling is or why I feel different. Mm. But I know I'm not one of the guys, but I know I'm not gay either. So I don't quite know what's going yeah. on with me. But I, I stupidly went to college, which was right in Manchester City Centre. Yeah. And not that I should be saying this, right next to a pub. Yeah. Um, and it was known to be a college pub. Yeah. So I'm not going to name it for legal reasons. Yeah. Um, but it was quite easy to get served. And obviously, you know, being yes. a big, scary person. <laughs> so I kind of went from pretty good GCSE grades to just spending all my time in this pub trying to be this over-the-top kind of manly man. Um, and basically getting straight E's in all my A-levels. Oh, God, yeah. So, so what, was, what was your support bubble up, 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 um, up to that point? Did you tell your parents, or was it something you just, you just tried to keep to yourself? It was hard. It, it was, I, I was sort of an early, well, I wasn't sort of, I am an early child. Right. Um, and I kind of really struggled socially as well mm. to kind of fit in. So I didn't really have a support network. I kind of couldn't tell my parents because... I didn't quite know what it was either. Yeah. And I couldn't quite talk to anybody about it. So I kind of just kept it bottled up and was being this sort of really angry, really over the top guy, just trying to cut overcompensate. Yeah. Um, and then it was kind of same through college and uni. I got on better with the girls and the guys. Mm. But at the same time, I still didn't quite know what was right with me. Yeah. Um, and then somehow I ended up getting a job in the real world after uni. And how to be all grown up and stuff. So I moved away from home. Um, and then I sort of had this freedom to sort of dress in and stuff. So, but I was still very angry. But, you know, so I had great friends. I was earning money. I had a good job. Um, and I just kept bottling up. I just kept being really angry all the time. Mm-hmm. Just flipping out at people. Um, my dad said to me, he kind of said, you know, if you don't change, you're either going to end up in prison or somebody's going to knock you out. Yeah. So that was when I was like, okay, I need to accept this. Um, so I sort of went to a support group and I just said, look, I, I'm really confused. I don't know what it is. I think it's this. And yeah, they were great. Like I met other trans people and I thought, wow, they've been through the same as me. They've experienced the same thing. You know, they've experienced depression. They've experienced suicidal thoughts and all that kind of stuff. You know, they've been to these dark places. Um, and that kind of was when I was like willing to accept it and said I bet that was I bet that is. was I bet that was an amazing feeling, weren't it, when you when you went there and you thought, wow, you, you you're not a weird you're not weird. You there's nothing wrong with you. I bet that was a great feeling, weren't it? It was honestly it it's like they say it was the weight lifted off your shoulders, but it was literally like I could feel air coming off my shoulders. Yeah. It was just amazing. I was like, there's other people like me. Yeah. And I think I was 25 at the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I kind of then was just like, yep, yeah, this is who I am. So tell my parents. My mum was like, yeah, I kind of figured it out. Oh, bless. <laughs> she, she was like, she had that mobility instinct. 
Yeah. Uh, my dad struggled, so we had a rough year. Yeah. Uh, but we, you know, we made it through, and now we're in a good place. We're both accepting. Um, and yeah, so I kind of, it was then that I kind of said to myself, you know what, I've always wanted to try the circuits and stuff like that. So then I kind of nervously went along to this pole studio and had had a private and uh, sort of group lessons. And it was in this group where I, I was just like, nobody cared about the fact that I was this six foot four trans woman <laughs> that was still quite hairy, still <laughs> yeah. having laser on her face, yeah. still sounded really sort of deep voice and stuff. You know, they just straight away from day one assessed me for who I was. Yeah. And then through that, I kind of built a great sport network and I found something I was good at in life. Um, and it, it kind of, it, it molded me into who I am now. Yeah. It's it something from this very dark place of constantly being depressed, um, uh, you know, not having any confidence. So being able to own who I am and yeah. be proud of it. It's, it's so, when you think, when you think back, what could have been done different? Because I suppose that's one thing I would be thinking in your position is, is there anything that could have been done earlier on? Because I suppose there's, there's kids that it's happening to now and you think, how can you help them and say it's okay and try and um, shield them? Because I suppose you don't want another kid to go through that in their teens. It's teens, is, you know, teens is hard. Enough to but how can you catch that? You know what I mean? It's difficult, isn't it? I, I think it is balanced because I think one of the things that stopped me from coming out late or later on in life was because obviously the internet wasn't really particularly yeah. great back in the 90s. You know, it was when you had the old dial-up modems and it made that silly <laughs> yeah. sound and you'd be sat there for yeah. a few minutes. So, come on. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't any of that online stuff and, you know, nobody talks about it. So I think the, the thing is, now there's a lot more information. Mm. And I think, you know, if kids can see that there's people out there like them, then they're gonna, it's going to make it easier. Mm. And as long as there's support networks, um, and this is sort of another area that's a bit tricky, because, you know, at 16, you're still quite young. Mm. You might not know what it is. So you've got to have that balance between saying to the kids, this is what, this is people who've been through this, this is how they cope with it and their experience. And, you know, let's have a chat about it. Mm. But, you know, you still want to make sure they're not rushing into anything. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you hear, I hear all the time now about sort of 12-year-olds who want to go on hormones and, one reassignment surgery. Oh. And I don't think we should deny it, yeah. but I think we should have some safeguard in there that says, let's just take a step back, yeah. have a conversation, yeah. and you know, revisit it, or you know, live like that for six months, and then we can come back to it. Yeah, definitely. Because I think, yeah, I just think now there's, you know, a lot of kids who are like, they have to put themselves under a label. Yeah. They have to be part of this and that. Whereas I just say, screw labels, <laughs> mm. you know, you are who you are. Um, you know, if I don't really label myself, I just call myself Holly. Yeah. The lady who flats up the mountain. That's, <laughs> that's who I am. I think, I think the great thing, like you said today, is aw awareness is a lot better. 
social media, yeah. and like I said before, social media can be bad, but it can be great for things like this. And people like yourself, just going on TV and people and other yeah. people that might be young lads, teens, you know, anybody watching you and thinking, wow. So I think what you're doing is, is, is amazing. Just, just little things like that, isn't it? Definitely, that that you know, makes, make, makes such a difference. Now, yeah. you, you talk you talk about the support group. So you went to a support group. How did that yeah. work back then? Oh, that that was entertaining. Oh, go in on. The sense of, so bear in mind that I was probably 20, about 24, 25. Now I didn't have my teenage years to learn how to do makeup. <laughs> so I kind of learned off YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> and let's just say my early days were pretty dire. Yeah. So it was actually a really terrifying experience to go to these groups in the sense of, you know, you'd leave the house in a dress or whatever you wanted to wear and attempted to make up and I look like a bad me personally, I ended up looking like a bad drag queen most of the time <laughs> in the early days. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, there was that fear. It would take me an hour just to get the courage to step outside and get wow. in my car. Um, so if, if the group started at seven, I knew I had to start getting ready at five because I might get in the car at six and then I might get delayed and spend another 20 minutes in there when I get there. Yeah. So I might make it to seven then. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I think one of the things that was interesting about the groups were you had old and young generations there. Right. So you had um, some sort of older ladies in their 50s or 40s who were sort of, in their generation, it was still very taboo. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I sort of put the courage to go there, somehow make it, um, and then once I was in there, I was fine. And, yeah. you know, generally, they kind of work with, you'll sit around a hall or something and you'll kind of just make friends and talk to people um, and sort of, you know, you'll share experiences, share makeup tips and stuff like that. And then through that, you kind of build connections and Facebook friends. Um, but the only thing is they're good initially, but I, thought, I found after a year, it kind of just gets a bit boring sort of going and sitting there. So yeah. they, I then, I used to go to one in Birmingham, um, which met in a place called the Equator Bar in sort of the um, gay village. Oh, right. And I met this lady called uh, Melanie, who I'm not going to say her age, but she was significantly older than me. Yeah. And she was amazing. Like, she was so confident and stuff. Um, and basically, she was in a band, and all the members were trans. And then I started doing stand-up comedy around that time as well. I thought, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> that's it. I kind of thought, I want to do something that's going to, what's the scariest thing I can do to improve my confidence? <laughs> so I started doing stand-up comedy. Oh, God. And I got to know Mel quite well. And we started going out around Birmingham quite a lot in gay village. And then they kind of started doing, getting regular gigs around there as a band. Um, and then they were like, well, why don't you come as our like warm up act? So next thing I know, I'm kind of touring with this all trans girl band, yes. and hearing stand up comedy to warm crowds up, 
And, you know, we're only talking about little pubs and stuff. We're saying, you know, we're talking sort of 50 people, 100 people or something. Yeah, it's still fucking scary. <laughs> That's it. But it was then by going out and stuff and actually getting out there that I sort of met other people and that was when I kind of really sort of my confidence started growing. So, you know, I think these support groups are amazing for yeah. those initial steps and meeting other people. Uh, but for me, it was kind of after a year, I was sort of getting more out of going around getting drunk on Saturday nights with the girls after touring with the band. And so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then, I, I, think, you know, I, go, I think what's interesting there and what you said is what you're being quite fearless. You, you, you are... Uh, well you're not being fearless but you're being very courageous in that you're putting yourself in uncomfortable positions and I've said yeah, this before on the podcast that and I've done it myself because I'm a filmmaker in the Midlands and I've had to go down London on my own and go to meetings and I know what it's like when you're sitting outside and you're thinking I really hate this feeling but I remember someone said to me once when you feel uncomfortable you grow so you must put yourself, and they say it on SAS, don't they? But yeah. put yourself in an uncomfortable situation, and it's hard. <laughs> it's so hard. But afterwards, don't you feel great? It's amazing. It's like, you know, I think the hardest situations I was in was there's the gong shows at the comedy stores. Yeah. Um, and if you've never been to the gong show, you go, because it's where it's sort of every comedian who's made it has started out like yeah. you know every sort of comedian you can think of that's on national tv has started in the gong shows um, and basically a gong show works the audience members have three cards so three separate audience members have cards you've got to try and get through a five minute set without all three cards going up if all three cards go up you get booed <laughs> and play you're a loser and you get kicked off the stage yeah so oh my god if you're looking for a confidence boost yeah go and do that i've always said that being a comedian that is going to be one of the most scariest things i've got a book uh steve martin book which is fascinating it talks yeah. about the show you know the the hundreds of shows that he did and hardly anyone laughed and the anxiety it's it's proper hardcore isn't it <laughs> It's hard because it's like, you know, it's such up and down. You can have an amazing night one night and the next night you can tell the same jokes in the same ways with yeah. different audience and you can fall flat on your ass. <laughs> so, yeah, and like every single, every single sort of famous comedian will tell you they've had gigs where nobody has laughed and yeah. it has been horrible. Wow. But yeah, I, I found that just by putting myself in these uncomfortable situations um, and you know I use myself a lot for the comedy so one of my opening gags that works a lot was the other day I was walking down the street and some rude builder, rude builder shouted get your tips out love so I did and I threw them at them <laughs> with, that's quite a good you know, joke actually <laughs> it works yeah. so it always got the crowd on side um but yeah it was always that before going on there was always that bit of oh what am i doing in my life yeah why am i here <laughs> wow that's it's just amazing i think and, and it's a good point i think regardless of who you are what you are to be able to laugh at yourself 
is such an is such an important thing, isn't it? Never take things too seriously because I think you can just make yourself feel so unhappy if you take things too seriously. Yeah, because I mean, my dad's always been quite a jokey person, and you know, he's still a family man and a rider for the family, but he sort of he knows how to chill out as well, and you know, just have fun and not let things get on top. Um, so I kind of get it from my dad that side of things, but yeah, no, just keep have fun like and the thing is the stories that i would tell they're from real stories so you know there's gags about the dodgy makeup there's gags about where you know drunken nights i'd be in my heels um and i'd be in the village and i couldn't be bothered waiting to go in the girls because the toilet's too long sorry to keep the toilet's too long so you know i'd go in the guys we stood there at the urinals with my heels on and just sort of Lift the dress up, off we go. Yeah, <laughs> it was you know being able to laugh at that stuff and say, "Yeah, that actually happened." It it was just great. Have you so, always you been? Know, have you always been so self-assured, or has that took took time? Because to me, you seem very <laughs> assured of you, sure of yourself. Or is this something that you've had to work on? I think it, it's sort of. I've always been quite a nervous kid um and then i don't know where this kind of self-assurance came from i think it came on later in life when i started sort of going out more and doing things so yeah i say definitely it's something that's only happened through the experiences i've done and it was not a natural thing mm, yeah. you know it's probably sort of 10 years worth of stuff that i've been doing that's built it to this point yeah so yeah but that just but that but that just shows you it can be done regardless of who you are how you feel if you, oh, yeah. you can work that experience up and i suppose that's one of the big things about people that are uh, maybe transgender or or don't know quite who they are they worry they're alone and they're ne- they're, they're never going to be happy and that's just not you, you know you're living proof that that's that's not right yeah it's you know the thing is like you can get anywhere you want in life but you have to be willing to fight for it Mm. so and i think it's that fight where you get your self-assurance because it makes you go through stuff like you said being uncomfortable stuff that you don't necessarily want to do and that's how you kind of gain that self-assurance yeah um and i I think you know it's important to do these things and I think that as the world is kind of opening up a bit more to things like transgender, et cetera, um, it's going to get easier for people to take those steps. Because mm. um, the thing is, you know, you can look at all these Instagram models and whatever. Oh. We all know there's yeah. been hours and hours of choosing the perfect filter, about 300 takes. Um, so, yeah, just keep going. You will eventually get there. You know, it took me about 10 years to get to the point where I am today. Mm. And I started from being a very nervous sort of, hi, my name's Holly, <laughs> to where I am now. <laughs> yeah, you where know? well, I suppose you were trying to be someone you're not. Uh, yeah. Like a character. Yeah, whereas now yeah. yourself, yeah. What, yeah. Um, what, I mean, being transgender in this day and age, I think people are a lot more open now, um, a lot more accepting. What do you think 
we talk about transgender and we talk about this non-binary thing and, and I know that's causing yeah. a lot of division. What, what's your take on that? Because I think for me personally, all these different, the, the worst thing anything can do is cause division. So I think we've got to be so, so careful. What, what's your take on that, Ollie? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, I just say be who you want to be. So I don't really read into the whole, well, I'm non-binary. I'm transgender. Um, I just don't read into it because I just see a person. Mm. And, you know, if that person has changed their sex from birth, then fine. But to me, they're just who they are. Mm. You know, it's sort of like um, there's a word for people who who basically will date somebody pure in their personality. Mm, rather than yeah, their gender yeah, yeah um so that's kind of how i see life and you know this is a problem like communities are here to support each other not sort of tear each other apart and divide so to be honest i think labels can actually be a really bad thing mm. and cause these divides yeah so my kind of take is just be yourself and don't try and fit into a label or say feel like you have to. Yeah. You know, just if your your name's Derek, your name's Derek. Yeah. If you yeah. like, you know, doing drag at the weekend, then you're still Derek to me, or whatever your stage name is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of labels and feeling like you have to be fit into that label. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm just a big fan of people being themselves and. I think the big thing is these days is when you get these very famous stars coming on and saying, I want to be this and I want to be that. And I think that's where it's causing division. We had, um, there's an Hollywood actress, Ellen, I can't remember who her name was. And, and, and so because they're in the media spotlight, I think, I think it, it, that causes division because like you yeah. said, why do they have to tell the media who they want to be? Well, that's it. And I think that's the problem with that. Because, I mean, if you take Catelyn Jenner, Mm. um, if you speak to any, I'd say if you speak to about 80% of the trans community, they hate her. Yeah. And it's just because, you know, she's obviously this very influential person who has the power to change things Mm. and do something good. But all she's doing is selling this false image. Yeah. And even putting her own community down. Like, literally, you can get, as you look at me, I could not be further away from that person. Um, And it was kind of one of the main reasons why I wanted to do the show, because I don't really wear makeup. You know, unless I'm going a night out or I'm performing, I don't sit there in a dress. I don't sit there wearing makeup. I, you know, I don't sort of sit down and pillow fights and stuff. Um, you know, I'm a big, muscly, six foot four, ripped <laughs> lady, and I'm proud of that. Yeah. So, you know, I think, and I think that half the time, a lot of celebrities do it just for the publicity. Yeah, I don't think they're genuine. That's the um, one, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think. And then, you know, and then when people rip her apart, Caitlyn Jenner, you know, it's, oh, you're being transphobe and things like, oh, well, no, it's nothing to do with who you are. It's to do with, yeah. you're an idiot, <laughs> regardless Literally, of who you are. You know, the, I, I mean, I, I think the thing when that sort of probably where she became the most hated 
and the point where she lost a lot of her own community was when she said that unless you look like a perfect woman, you're not a woman. Oh. You know, you're not a trans woman. But bear in mind, we don't all have millions of pounds in our bank pocket. So we can't all fuck off to an island and hide from the world until all our plastic surgery is done. We've got to get out there to Sainsbury's, get our shopping, you know, not knowing quite what we're doing and not have a team of stylists behind us. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not a fan of these celebrities who, you know, unless they're authentic, mm. and you can kind of tell when someone's being authentic and they're not. I'm just not a big fan. Um, although, what you know, you the, said, you're trying to say to me the Kardashians are not authentic. I know. I'm sorry. What's your favourite show? I'm sorry to break that illusion. To you, you ruined it for me. I'm sorry. That's your Sunday night. It's done now. No. I bet you were going to go to the leaving party and everything and have a screening at home for the end finale. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> God. But at the same time, you know, I'm kind of like, you're a genius. You made millions out of oh, being an idiot, yeah. basically, and having no skills in life. Yeah, look, you know, <laughs> if that's if that's how you want to be, but uh, but you say that, but then deep down at night, when the cameras aren't there and they're on their own, yeah, are they happy? Um, that's it. You know, I don't think they are. And, but you know, it's until you're in that situation, you don't know. But I am firmly, and I will go on record for this. I hate Caitlyn Jenner. I think she's probably the worst possible person you can have to promote the transgender society. Mm. Um, I literally... I would agree. And I don't like... <laughs> I can't really talk because, you know, what do I know? But it, it, it does... I think it causes more division, which is a shame when there's, you yeah. know, people like the, you that are genuine, got more... You, you're real uh, far more than she ever is. And, uh, but yeah, but no, it's, 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 yeah. that's a fair point. It's, Okay, right. So before we get to SAS, tell me about the circus. What's that all about? <laughs> so, yeah, you know how like because you 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 fit, you're strong, ain't you? I can just see you there. You you know you're a strong woman. Well, these old things. Look at that bad boy. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, look. a little bit of. <laughs> no, so how the hell did I end up in the circus? I ask myself that question every day. <laughs> so, I mean, to be honest, I've always been a bit of a daredevil. Yeah. I started Taekwondo at the age of seven, got my black belt when I was 12. Oh, you didn't say that. I was in the Air Cadets when I was 13. Right. I flew solo in a plane when I was 16 before I took my first driving lesson. Okay. I spent two months working in Malta as a dive master when I finished college. Well, you missed all this out, didn't you, earlier? <laughs> Well, I've got to keep something out there. Um, <laughs> but to be honest, so I've kind of always had that daredevil in me. And when I started transition, I was like, I want to do something that I want to do. So I thought, oh, I'll have a Google and see if there's anywhere that does circus lessons or stuff. So then I found this pole studio, an aerial studio near me. So I was like, oh, I'll just go for one and give it a try. So I went there and I just literally... I did something called Aerial Silks, which is basically, yeah. imagine swinging on your mum and dad's curtains. Woohoo! Um, but five <laughs> metres in the air. Yeah, without yeah. them shouting at you, basically. Kids, don't do um, that. Yeah, I'm not saying you should do that. I'm not saying <laughs> that. Or maybe do it once. Just to see the reaction. 
Yeah. <laughs> but be safe and have a crash mat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just went along and literally, I, it just felt dead natural. Like, I, you know, I was kind of like, I wasn't really struggling with it. I mean, it is incredibly hard. Like, it is really hard. And then I kind of thought, okay, well, I'll start doing group lessons. And then I started doing the group lessons. And it kind of just grew from there because I was in a place where I was accepted. I was never judgment, judged. And I found this really safe, cool environment with all these amazing, strong people. Yeah. He just took me for me. Um, so then I kind of, it's like, I really enjoyed this. So therefore, I'm going to start competing. So then I started competing. Um, and I'm at, you know, I won a four time championship at the minute. So I was due to go for my fifth title. Um, but that was literally the week after I got back from SAS. So I was like, <laughs> I don't see much of a good reputation now. I'm not really ready to <laughs> yeah. do this one. So I'm going to bow out. So, so is, it just the, is it just the silks you do, or do you do pole? Or do you, I, anything so aerial? I do. I do pretty much everything. So what you find is a lot of people, they try everything, but they specialize in one or two. Um, so I love the silks and most people hate the silks to start with because it requires so much of body strength. Yeah. Um, so I also do aerial hoop, which I hate. Um, and I hate it just because I like being in the air, but for me, I find it really painful. Yeah. Like all forms of aerial hurts. Yeah, whole hurts. It all hurts, but that I find particularly painful. Yeah. Um, but right now, I'm doing. I'm facing a lot on aerial straps, which is the hardest aerial discipline out there. Um, so to give you an idea, so it's basically two rigid pieces of material, usually made out of polyester and cotton wrapping, or Kevlar with a cotton wrapping, yeah. um, and you would wrap it around your wrist to hold. And that's kind of all you've got. And then you, to do get up, you have to do a muscle up where you would wrap it around your wrist and then you wrap it again. And you would literally, oh. you have your wrist like this and then you have to kind of pull push, up. Yeah, I've seen, I know what you mean, yeah. And then push down. Um, yeah. my, I, you probably can't see them, but like my forearms are all bruised. Yeah. It takes chunks out of my legs. People think that you verbally, like you're, in a physically <laughs> violent relationship when you come back from training sessions. <laughs> it's so quite freeing. I mean, I can, I can understand. I mean, yeah, I've never done silks. But I can understand <laughs> it's quite free. Yeah, I used to do monkey bar. I still do pull up. I still train a bit. And, yeah. and there's something quite freeing, isn't it, about the pain, yeah. but the fact that you can do it and, and you really, there's no, for me, when you're pushing yourself against your own body weight, it's not like you're carrying a weight. You are the weight. I suppose it's quite Yeah. It's amazing. Like to me, you know, I love just performance my favorite tracks. Um, you know, it's a lot of hard work. Mm. It it usually takes you about three or four months, three or four months of training, three to four nights a week, four hours a night for a routine, running the same routine yeah. um, for a competition. But it's just that feeling of it just feels so natural to me. Yeah. Uh, being, you know, five meters in the air, no crash mat underneath, <laughs> having a song that I'm really enjoying and yeah. just throwing myself around. 
Or... But it's like you said, it's, you know, it's so different to going to the gym and lifting weights because I weigh 88 kilos at the minute and my body fat at the minute is 20%. No. Or is it 15? It's going to be fat, but it's 15. Yeah. It, basically, it's really low. Yeah. So a lot of my weight muscle. is all yeah. literally... I know. So, you know. I, I said to, because um, my son, he's, he's started going to the gym and he's like, oh, you can't do, and I said, do some pull-ups because a real man could do pull-ups. And I'm there, and I'll, I'll do about 10 and go, 10, is that it? I've got son, I weigh 14 and a half stone. I'm pulling 14, <laughs> you know what I mean? You, and he can't That's even do it. two. Oh, well, this is it. So, because if you, in my routines, I'm constantly, my whole body weight is suspended in the air. Wow. So I'm doing the equivalent of 10 to 15 pull-ups. The only thing that's keeping me on is my grip. Um, it's using every single muscle in my body. Whereas, you know, when I see people in the gym, and, you know, if weights is your thing, fine. Yeah. If it's what you're yeah. good at and you enjoy it, fair enough. But to me, when I kind of see people lifting a weight, I'm just a bit, I'm not impressed. I'm kind of like, well, you're isolating one muscle there. Yeah, yeah. Good for you for doing something and trying, but if you want a real test, I dare you to try pole or aerial. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I always love it when we get, we don't get many guys that do it. I'd say about 90% of the people who do it are female. Hmm. Um, you know, and sometimes you'll get a couple where you, clearly the boyfriend's been dragged along by the girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he feels like he has to be the big man there because you know yeah. he's in a room full of women who can do all this stuff, and just the screaming is it's great. <laughs> you know, within two minutes you scream, ah, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> yeah. we're not even started yet. This is just a warm up, mate. <laughs> oh yes, it's a whole whole different level of stress i mean it's like when you watch the gymnasts you know at the olympics and stuff like that you just think wow they are just phenomenal aren't they um hey, i'm surprised you've never thought about doing ninja warrior you ever thought how about you audition for it yeah you, you should I did years ago I, yeah. years ago i got to the auditions um and i the audition was basically it was in a crossfit gym and they kind of did the equivalent of the course Mm. Um, but I didn't make it on, obviously. So I bet you would now. I bet you would now. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'd tend to give it a crack again. So maybe. Do maybe. it. Do it. But yeah. Right. But it's kind of from, so just from the competitions, yeah. I then started getting paid gigs. And that's oh. kind of how I ended up in the circus. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's so yeah. from that, then you start getting paid to do something you love. <laughs> exactly. I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, can't, I don't make enough to make a living on it. So, it still has to be a boring project manager. But, you know, yeah. before COVID, I was getting to spend my weekends and evenings just getting paid to basically be a clown. Is it a traveling, is it a traveling circus or is it in the same place? It's, it's various. Some of them are sort of corporate gigs where you're there for an event. Yeah. Um, and then some are guest performances at sort of travelling circuses. So it's a bit of everything, really. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. And that's what I like interesting, it. though. Oh, yeah. You, you meet such cool people. Yeah. You know, it's always entertaining because the one thing that you have to get comfortable with this is being around nudity. 
<laughs> yeah. We, there's no dressing rooms. You know, most of the time, your dressing room, if you're doing a corporate event, is a toilet. So you will yeah. literally be there as a troop. There will be booms out, there will be willies out. <laughs> and you have to just be comfortable with just getting on, getting changed. Yeah. Um, right, let's talk SAS then. So, right, uh, let's do it. <laughs> what, le- what led you to apply for it, first of all? Yeah, so you, I mean, I was asking myself that after two minutes of being there, but <laughs> I, I think, it, you know, I've always been a daredevil. I've been a fan of the show for years because I just thought it was such an amazing idea. And I think it was because I was finally comfortable with who I was. Mm that I was finally sort of ready to say, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. If I get on, great. Um, and also sort of, you know, I wanted to show the sort of world that not all trans women want to be Barbie dolls. Yeah. You know, we're not all interested in being these sort of perfectly hourglass figures. Yeah. You know, I really want to kind of challenge people's perceptions of gender and show them, what trans can be and yeah. not what they think it is so yeah so you were and also so you, were, so, you were, <laughs> so you applied and then now what this is this is what this is what makes me laugh when i always say you know my wife say you'd be good on that well i wouldn't know i'm too old but, but but back in the day maybe but and i always laugh because i'll go oh they're struggling what i'd do if i, I knew i was on the show six months training i got mountains i go scotland i'd get all trained but you're telling me you only got two two weeks notice that's it so i think like i think i applied in january when we were in lockdown, because obviously we had lots of free time. Yeah, yeah. So I did the application, and then I think it was like a month or six weeks before I got the call, and they kind of said, oh, we've read your application. We'd really like you to go through to the next stage. Oh, and also you've got to pass these fitness tests. Yeah. So I then had two weeks to pass the fitness tests, which was a mile and a half and then nine and a half minutes, a minimum of four, 44 press-ups in under two minutes, mm. a minimum of 50 sit-ups in under two minutes, and carry two 20 kilo weights for two minutes. That's not too bad compared to what they it's, put you through. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the run was hard. Yeah. I'm not a cardio person, so that was a yeah. hard bit. I mean, the press-ups and stuff, yeah. I was like, come on, give me a challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, so, you know, we did that, and then it, it was kind of, I remember I was going to a friend's birthday and I was in the car and it was with a friend and I got the call. Um, and, that, you know, it was like, you're confirmed, you're going to be on it. Hey! Like, yes! Oh, shit. <laughs> then reality the kicks way, in. <laughs> yeah, it's in two weeks. Two weeks? I was just like... Oh, my yeah. God. Because the thing with me is I don't train legs. <laughs> like, I... I've never trained legs. Oh my god! Oh. You know, so I didn't have that luxury of having about a good few months to yeah go put that solid training regime regime in there. I basically just had to re- rely on the fitness I had already. Did you go crazy for them two weeks? Did you just try and blast everything uh, out? Well, to be honest, I thought I could do, but I'm just going to macro my body. So <laughs> what I did was I just thought right. Running is my weakness. I'm just going to get to the park and run five days a week. So pretty much all people saw was me in a pair of combat boots running oh. around the park looking like I was going to die. 
for about a week and a half. Yeah, too late. Too late. You need it yeah. far, far, far longer. So then you get. So then you get onto the show. Whereabouts is it filmed? So well, it changes every year, but this year because of COVID, so we actually filmed it in October when technically we were still under lockdown. So. And it was sort of good and bad. So this year, because of the COVID, we had to self-isolate for a week. Um, and basically, me and two other recruits, we turned up at Manchester Airport at like five in the morning. They'd all got us cars to get there. And we didn't know where we were going because they hadn't told us where we were flying to. And we had to get a tetanus shot before we went out there. And the guy said to me, I need a destination. I was like, I literally don't know, mate. <laughs> They've not told us. Like, so he was like, well, I've got to put somewhere. So I was like, well, I'm putting the pole down. It's always somewhere exotic. Yeah. Let's go with that. So we got there. And then it was only when we checked in that she was like, right, so you're off to Dundee. <laughs> and part of us was like, fucking Dundee. Dundee in October. So we get to Dundee. And then we get bunged in a hotel. And the next thing they know, they're like, right, so tomorrow morning, you're going to be doing a swim test. So half eight, we're in a pool and we're treading water, we're holding our breath and stuff one by one. And it's like, right, that's done. Go pack your shit. You go into another hotel now. So that was like the first time that I saw most of the people then. We all were like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. All sort of yeah. staring at each other. Um, then we got put on this coach and it was like a three hour trip through these Scottish mountains. And we weren't allowed to talk to each other at any point because oh, they wanted to. No, because they wanted to capture all the bonding moments on camera. Ah. So we were all sort of constantly stood around or would be oh, sat there and all could really go was like, Yeah, nightmare. Yeah. And it was just because of COVID, we had to self-isolate in a hotel to form a bubble. Mm. Um, so literally three, for like seven days, we were in this really nice, quirky Scottish hotel um, in Pear Tree. And we were getting waited on hand and foot, oh, three meals oh. a day. You know, the hardest task we had each day was to fill out what we wanted for our meals for the next day. Yeah. We were allowed out for like an hour each day to just go walk around. So I sort of used that time to, again, go work on my running yeah. and run around in some mountains, uh, which still wasn't enough time. But, yeah, yeah. you know, it is what it is. And then we had to have two COVID tests. So I'm not kidding you. Five in the morning, the medic was knocking on people's doors in a full hazmat suit and sticking cotton wool up our noses. And like a few people, they forgot that he'd come round. So they just wake up to this guy in a hazmat suit, <laughs> what the hell it was, it was there for. <laughs> so, so when did you first meet uh, Anton, the team, man? Was it when you were on the bus towards the destination? Oh, no, no, no. All yeah, right. So we, we only actually... So basically, we were in the hotel and we were supposed to be in the hotel lobby for three in the morning. So we were in the hotel lobby three in the morning. It's pitch black, it's freezing, yeah. and it's kind of right. Leave your suitcases, leave all this, your transport's here. And these four old school Land Rovers that you see a lot in the yeah. day turn up. Um, the windows are down, the heaters are off, it's pitch black, it's freezing, the drivers don't say anything. Um, we all sort of get in there and then next thing you know we arrive at this train station bearing in mind we've not been told anything yeah it's just kind of go along with it yeah and we get these mic packs and then we get put on the train 
And that's the first time that we're all allowed to actually interact with each other and speak to each other after about a week. Wow. Um, And then, yeah, so that's when you see, like, obviously, Ant and the guys dive in. And Did they introduce introduce themselves? Well, they they make it known that they're there. So (laughs) they literally, we were all on the train. And the thing was, we didn't know what to expect because we saw people getting on and off the train. Yeah. But they were obviously extras. Yeah. Now we think back about it. Um, so they dive in. It's literally, as you saw on the program, these guys in bad cars just dove in. There was nothing, no warning. They just dove in. Yeah. Um, and then the bit that you didn't see is when they marched off the train, there was that gravel line next to the train track. Yeah. We were basically, it was run over there, run over there, held in the press-up position for about five minutes. You know, and it's like, right, do you want to be here? Anybody want to give me your numbers, you fuckers? <laughs> well, and then it's stop making those stupid noises, you bunch of cunts. <laughs> you know, and honestly, the shock, everybody was the same. We were all like, where's our energy gone? <laughs> you know, we're on a gravel lane. It's pitch black. We've got Ant yelling at us. The other guys are in front of the car are still, and we're like, what the fuck are we doing here? It got real at that point. Yeah. It got real at that point. Because you're thinking, I bet you were thinking, Ant, come on. Hi, guys. Yeah, just introduce myself. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. No, no, none of that. Oh, no. No, but the other bit that you didn't see is from there as well. He made us crawl on our hands and knees on that gravel pit, which is full of gravel and mud. So oh, literally, within the first 10 minutes, everybody's knees and elbows were shredded. Oh, my God. And at the end, we got more hold this press-up position and stuff. And we got blindfolded. And then we were thrown into the Land Rovers. And then it's kind of, you know, it's hilarious when you see us running across the fields because we were blind. We were literally, everybody's just trying to hold on to the person in front. And we were falling left, right and centre. My pants were falling down. And (laughs) obviously at the time it wasn't hilarious. But looking back, it was literally the blind leading the blind. Yeah. So when you um, get when you when you get to base then um, and you've got all your little beds and everything and you and you get set up. Beds? Well, yeah. <laughs> it looks yeah, it's very basic, of course, um, but it looks freezing cold in there, is it? Oh, it's it's terrible because you know when we got to our base, the thing is half has lost either one or both shoes, and it's all stone. So we're trying to run down to the. Thing. and they're all yelling at us oh yeah it can't and meanwhile <laughs> me and Jamie we were literally hovering next to each other going ah fuck 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 <laughs> and just getting stabbed in the feet with these stones um, and yeah I mean literally the only warmth we had at the base was this one little log burner where I I was quite lucky because my bunk was quite right next to it yeah. so I was very popular oh, um, and we had to chop our own firewood so if we want us to be warm, we'd have to chop our own firewood before the task or before we knew that we were going somewhere yeah. and get it burning so that when we got back, the wood was ready and there was some form of heat. Yeah. But even with the heat and that thing going, there was no, you were still freezing, yeah. even wearing a fleece and the T-shirt because we only had two sets of clothing for the whole thing. Yeah. Two sets of underwear. Two tops, two pairs of pants, two fleeces, two pairs of boots. That's it. 
Was it? Well, did you feel like you're on a TV show, or did it, or that just completely leave you, and all of a sudden it's like it's, a competition sort of thing? I think it didn't. So for me, it didn't feel so much like competition, but it didn't. I just didn't have time to grasp the fact that I was on TV because, you know, obviously you see on TV the condensed version, but in reality, you know, the first day was about a twenty-two-hour day for us. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody slept because. When you had 21 people or however many people were left by the end of the first day, it sounds like a bomb going off when people are in their sleeping bags. Oh, God, yeah. So nobody slept, but it's, you you know, when you're at base, you're chopping wood, you're trying to stay warm, you're prepping your kit, you're doing little support to help each other. So you completely forget about the cameras and the fact that this isn't real life. Yeah, you're sort of just so focused on trying to get a bit of rest, trying to yeah. make sure you don't screw up with the kit, yeah. make sure that's all good to go. And you did know, you we get, had. Did, to... did you get on well with everybody? Everybody in there? I yeah, know there was the mole, of course, but you got on with everyone in there and connected. That that's it, because you know, I was nervous about being trans, so I did not know how they were going to take me. Yeah, you know, because obviously we all shame, share the same block, we all shit in the same place. Um, so I was quite nervous about that. But you know, I think when you're in a situation like that, it feels so real, mm. and the fear is real. You know, it, yeah. there's no kind of playing up the cameras. If people are crying, that's real tears of fear. Mm. Um, so you know, we had to work together to get through it. You know, you, you couldn't sort of be like, oh, well, I can't be asked chopping firewood. It's like, you've got to chop the firewood. We need to get this done as a team. So we created great bonds and we bonded straight away. Uh, I mean, we all still speak to each other. Yeah. You know, we, we've got a reunion that's going to be happening in July. So we're going to be having a barbecue, uh, which will be the first time that everybody's sort of seen each other. But we've all sort of met up as well since. Oh, that's so, good. You know, we create bonds for life because yeah. I can't explain until you've been in there, yeah. you will never understand how intense and real it is. I can understand. You know, yeah. that was the thing that hit me the worst. Like, this is really real. Mm. You know, the fear for me was, wow. Yeah. You know, I thought like, uh, and, oh, fuck yes, fire's nothing. But, you know, I'm when strong. he's in the way... Yeah. The old guys, they're scary guys. Yeah. They're lovely guys when they're not in instructor mode, but yeah, yeah. Really. What I what I quite like about Ant, and obviously he's been he's gone off the show now, and yeah. I listened to him on a on a uh, podcast, and he was saying he doesn't like being told what to do, and he likes to have an opinion, which I can understand because you know you've got all yeah. the woke thing going on, and I don't know, but obviously when he says to you, "Fuck off." And you know, it calls you cunts yeah. and things like that. It's nothing <laughs> personal. It's to get the best from you. Um, what? But I, I, what I like about him is he's very genuine, and I think he really understood where you were coming from and wanted you to do well. Did you feel that? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you can have everybody's got their opinion of that. But yeah. from the time I was there. I thought he's a really incredible guy. Mm. You know, just the way he holds himself and the way he is, he's a really incredible guy. And I've got nothing but praise for him. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah you could tell when i was getting interrogated you could see this kind of oh well this isn't what i picture a trans person to be yeah you know and you could see all that sort of seal you could see that sort of genuine sympathy mm. um because i'll never forget like when i handed my number in to see that switch from crazy instructor to you know, I'm going to kill you, just fuck off. So this guy, he was just like, just literally your, your guy down the pub. Yeah. You know, was, that when, was that when they were talking to you in the room? Well, in the room, obviously, they had to hold everything back because they're still in instructor mode. Yeah. You know, you could see in the back of their eyes that yeah. they were empathising and they yeah. understood, you know, stuff. But they can't all of a sudden go, oh, here's a yeah. hug. It's ne- all yeah. right. They're never gonna, never gonna tell you that. Never. Do they do that afterward? Do you ever get that, or is it, and you know, is that an unwritten rule? No, no you never get no. that. No, they, they have like a bit of banter with you, but it's got to be for it to work. That mentality of them and us, you know, they have to stay like that because it just wouldn't work. I'll tell you but, what. You I'll know, I'll tell you what makes me laugh is I watched an episode. I think it was the one after you'd gone. And they did something. They were jumping between rocks. They were in a freezing yeah. cold pool or something like that. And Ant turns around and says, don't get fucking complacent because I've been easy on you today. Yeah. <laughs> they've been easy on them. They've been in a gas tank. They've been gassed. And it's like, yeah, because we've been easy with you. Don't get complacent. Well, fucking hell. <laughs> that's it it's it's a hundred percent the whole time no there's never any obviously there's those bits where we laugh and laugh and have a bit of time in the accommodation and stuff but you know even when you're eating you feel under pressure to eat they're quick because we have to serve our own food um we literally get two medicines one knife and one fork and one spoon (laughs) don't lose them well that's it the other thing as well is there's two buckets of water and everybody has to wash their tins in it. So you made sure you want to first finish your meal. Because <laughs> yeah. if you were last. Yeah. <laughs> now, our ta- now this, this is my take on how you did, Holly. You've admitted you didn't, you skipped legs a little bit, um, which <laughs> I think you've got, you've got to have powerhouse legs and your CV's got to be. Yes. You know, I mean, it's so hard. But mentally... I think I'd have loved to have seen you get to the interrogation scene at the end because I think you'd have smashed that. What What do you reckon, honestly? I I think, like, the interrogation, I could have handled it. Yeah. You know, and even the stuff like out sailing down the cliff, jumping between the cliffs, being in the cold water, I could have handled it. Yeah. But the thing that you don't realise is, so your Bergen has to weigh 40 pounds everywhere you go. And yeah. they have scales, and they will literally measure it. <laughs> and Rebecca, on the first day, when we were halfway up the mountain, before the race had begun, I mean, just getting to that starting point was a bit of an yeah. intense one. Um, they got the scales out, and hers was three pounds under. So we all got put in the press-up position while Bergen's on, on the side of this mountain. And she had to run around and find, and find the fucking rocks, putting her Bergen. <laughs> And they're all sort of screaming at her, get your ass up, come on. <laughs> and we're all just there like, oh. 
Was it? So, yeah. Would you say it was the hit that the mat? I mean, I've I've climbed a few mountains in my day, and and I think people underestimate yeah. them. Do you think that's what finished you off? Is is that it's? I think the mountains. that's it. Because the thing is, when they drop you on a task, they never put you right next to it. So you're always like you have to constantly be climbing up mountains on soggy ground in oh. combat boots with forty pounds of kit. Yeah. So for me, that was just something so different. I'd never really done. Yeah. So, you know, I was just, that, I accepted the fact that that was going to be a regular thing. Yeah. But yeah. I was just proud of the fact that I went, so I passed out. You know, <laughs> yeah. I was just yeah. like, I, I said think, I was going to keep going until I passed out. And that's what I did. So I think I the, like, only, the only way you can train for that is by doing exactly that, going up mountains in soggy. You can run all day. But it's not yeah. the same as putting the miles in up those soggy, so, you know, soggy hills, is That's it? That's it. That's it. With weight, like even running with weight on flat ground, it's it's just adds such a, a whole new level to it. Yeah. So you know, for me, because that's I don't train legs. I'm not a big runner. Um, <laughs> I didn't have the time to you know get that going. Yeah, I think that's what kind of finished me. But it wasn't really the main reason why I BW'd. Yeah, um, you know, the main reason why I kind of BW'd was because I'd woke up on that morning and yeah, my body was battered, yeah. I was tired, and I wanted to carry on, I really did. But I kind of had this moment of actually, you know what, I'm really comfortable with who I am, mm. and look at what I've done over the past two days. I've made history and that's enough for me right now. I've earned the respect of SAS veterans who've been there and done the real thing. Yeah. Like for me, that's enough for me. You know, I don't need to run up a mountain or throw myself down a cliff to prove anything to anyone. Yeah. I sort of feel like I'm at peace with myself for the first time in my life. Wow, that's brilliant. I bet that felt brilliant, didn't it? It it was amazing. Like... I know you didn't show it, but when I left the base with my Bergen on, I was literally skipping and doing like little jumps in the air and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for me, that was kind of, I've got what I wanted to get out of it. Yeah. I don't need to keep proving stuff. You know, I proved that I can do some dangerous stuff. I've proved that I'm strong. You know, I've proved that I can get down and dirty, handle really tough situations. Um, you know, the beast in obviously on the second night, and I think whatever we did, we were going to get beast. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. It, we we couldn't win on that. Like yeah, we yeah. we were sort of knew that was coming. Yeah, and I, yeah, think I was. What amazes me about the show is, you know, you've got a lot of different backgrounds, different people. Some yeah. some some people's history. I can't remember the name of the bloke. I think it was Jamie or so, who, who'd been Jamie. a bit, yeah. God yeah. bless him. That is horrendous. But for him, I think doing the course, uh, you know, really will help him. It's a kind of therapy, isn't it? It's a way of sort of breaking through a barrier. Absolutely. I I mean, you know, the thing is, like, obviously, Jamie was one of my main people there because he was my bunkmate. So we used to check each other's kit all the time. Yeah. And he really helped me in those few days. You know, he sort of was like, because when I collapsed, Obviously, they came back for the task and they didn't know if I was coming back or whatever. So they were just getting on with it. So when I walked back in that bunk, I was like, oh, 
and it, you know, you sort of said to you, it's like, well, if you can collapse like that and then come back and carry on going, then I can keep going. And, you know, he's, he's a real lovely guy. And I, I think out of everybody, he's probably one of the people I got closest to. Yeah. Um, he's so genuine, really nice guy. Yeah. Um, right. And like you said, there's just yeah. so many different stories. But I think because we'd all been through stuff, yeah. we all had that ability to just carry on as best we could. Yeah. Um, and it just worked, you know. I, I remember sort of the bit that they didn't show as well was after that beasting when we were all soaking wet, <laughs> I had no dry gear, like both of my sets of clothes were wet. Yeah. So we had to like I think the next morning we were up to like four in the morning, sort of trying to dry our clothes. So it was I think me, Rianne, BB and think somebody else we were all sitting around in our knickers and just like a <laughs> towel around us trying to dry our stuff by the fire yeah and you know it was like three in the morning but it was just a really nice chat it was hilarious how yeah. we think about it yeah and then obviously we were up at five in the morning again because we knew it still wasn't dry so we had to go and try and try it some more as it as it give you um, a newfound respect for the SAS do you think now you think and that and, and it's not even the full course it's just a pinch of the course yeah does that give you a new respect for the for the for the people the oh that's massively massively but I think it's also giving me more respect for the previous series contestants right because you know now that I've been there I appreciate how yeah intense and hard it is and granted they said that our series was the toughest one yet um and it definitely felt it (laughs) i was hoping for maybe a nice little 5k to start (laughs) off with you know just ease into it yeah yeah no chance so yeah i mean seeing these guys move like seeing jason like jason fox zigzag for mountain like he's just on a general stroll I'm just like you're all superhumans, Melvin. What a what a guy! Yeah, absolutely yeah. lunatic when he's in instructor mode. Yeah, but what a guy! I know. So yeah, you, I, yeah. I mean, Mark, um, Mark Billingham. I was. I've been listening to quite a few podcasts with him. I've, I've tried to yeah. get him on, but I couldn't get him on. But uh, <laughs> some of the things he's done, he's just they're superhuman, aren't they? They're just the That's, elite. They are the real life superheroes. You know, if Marvel created real-life superheroes, <laughs> yeah. it's these guys. You know, yeah. they... But the thing which impresses me the, the, the most is how they can sort of go from these killing machines to these just down-to-earth yeah. guys that you can go down the drink for a pub. Yeah. You know, I don't think that there's many people who can do that as well as all the physical yeah. kind of stuff. That's a special, that's what makes them special. And they do say that, the way you can turn your emotions on and off when you need to. Uh, it, it, it is yeah. amazing. Uh, now, I always ask my guests for a favourite, so it can be a film or a book, Holly. Have you thought of anything? I have. So, one of my favourite films yeah. is a really old one. Uh, and it's called The Birdcage with Robbie Williamson. Oh, Nate Williams. Yes. Have you seen it? Oh, God, yeah. I'm, I've yes. seen every film you can think of. Love that film. I haven't uh, seen it for a long time, though. No, I, I love it. Like, I've watched it over a hundred times, but I think it, it's just, I think so I can relate to it. You know, because yeah. obviously, for those people who haven't seen it, you need to watch it. It's a great feel good comedy. 
Um, so basically, Nate Williams and Robbie, is it Nate Williams? Um, the guy, he's yeah. a super gay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Robbie Williams and Nate. So they have this gay couple in Miami who own the club. Robbie's the director. Nate's sort of the drag queen and the sort of diva. <laughs> and Hank Azari's in it as Robbie Williams' son. Yeah. Now, Hank Azari is getting married to this girl. He's the daughter of a senator and a very sort of proper and old valued yeah. um, family. So she hasn't told him that, that her fiance's um, dad's a, a gay and stuff. But after a scandal, they have to go to Miami to meet. And so Robbie Williams has to play it straight and yeah. sort of be the straight guy. Mm-hmm. And the thing which I love about it is, you know, there's a line there that really sticks to me where he kind of goes, you know, I've spent 30 years fighting for who I am and you want me to throw it away for one day? Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is, yeah. Uh, it's just something that I can relate to and something which I love. Yeah. Um, I, oh, I, love know, I love how it's old school Hollywood as well. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, it's just good old fashioned comedy. It is. It's great. It's a great film. I haven't seen it for quite a few years now, but I love it when guests come on and tell us about old films because people like my son, he, he, he looks at all the modern day stuff and all I say, look at some of the older films. There's some yeah. cool. And he'll watch them. He'll watch them and go, wow, dad, I can't believe how amazing that was. I'm like, I told you. Um, but that's yeah, that, that, that's, that's a great film to pick. I love that. Yeah. Um, now, it, I always, it's like, like with the... Oh, sorry, on. I was going to say, like, it's, I know they're politically incorrect, but even the old, like, Naked Gun and Police Academy films... Oh, yeah. You know, yes. that, that's part of history, isn't it? People say, you don't eradicate history. Yes, some of it was politically incorrect, but who cares? It was yes. fun at the time, and it was all harmless fun. It wasn't... There weren't... Exactly. Yeah, they weren't trying to be personal yeah. or anything. And uh, I think and I think what you said today is great and is a perfect example of with the SAS, they're not being personal. No one's attacking you personally. They're just trying to help you evolve yeah. and you know, and, and we've yeah. got to remember that. Um I always ask people, my guests, for a bit of advice. It can be a, a bit of advice that you've been given that's great or something you yeah. give to someone. What advice have you got, Holly? So I think for me the biggest piece of advice was from one of my friends called Mel mm. um, from the band. And she really sort of helped me sort of become who I am in the early days. And she said to me, why the fuck would you want to fit a label that already exists? <laughs> you know, there's too many out there. Create your own label, darling. Yeah. And, you know, it just rings true to me, you know, which is why I thought, well, I'm doing this podcast, so I could be all glamorous and stuff, but that's not what I do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. You know, day-to-day basis, I'm sweating it out on the equipment. I'm covered in bruises. I'm bleeding. Um, so today's piece of advice is find something you're good at in life because everybody is good at something. For me, it happens to be throw myself five meters in the air. <laughs> um, surround yourself with the people in that community and just be yourself. Don't force yourself to be a label because you feel like you have to. Create your own label. Just be you. Just be yourself. And yeah. people will, you know, people will be able to tell when you're being yourself. And it will shine through. You'll be happier. And the chances are you'll get on better with people. 
yeah yeah that's a great bit of advice great bit of advice piece and the other thing i'd say which we talked about early is if you're in an uncomfortable situation sometimes push through if you know it's the right thing push through because you'll grow from it and that's what that's what you've done and and that's what i found fascinating about yourself is you've had all these hurdles but you keep jumping them you keep pushing yourself and you seem now in such a great place uh you're very comfortable with yourself i love you sat you say that about not having to wear makeup because you're happy with yourself and i think that's a great bit of advice to give people especially young people today that are looking at instagram and things like that and trying to be who they are so brilliant brilliant bit of advice holly thanks so much no worries i think it's important like you know people know who i am now and every time I go out, I get stops in the street. And that's something that I tell people all the time. Yeah. You know, I'm and not going to... And that, it's like we said earlier on in the interview, you know, if just one young person sees that or hears that and it makes a difference to them, then your job's done, isn't it? You, you know, we can be... Massively. Happy. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I got... Um, I've been getting messages from people sort of saying, you know, I had one lady who's like, I'm 50 years old. I saw you on it and I'm sort of, I think I'm this and you know what I am. So after seeing you, if you can have the courage to do that, then I can have the courage to come out. So I've come out as my family and, you know, knowing that I've given people that courage to just go out and accept themselves, it's just amazing. Um, And that's what I wanted more than anything from the program. I'm not interested in becoming some Instagram model or, you know, some big, Caitlin Jenner. Influencer. <laughs> I just, yeah, that, that's it. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not interested in that. Yeah. You know, if it happens and it's for the right reasons, then great. Mm. But my main focus is I wanted to show people that you can be yourself and, you know, you can still be accepted. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> now, if people want to get in touch or just see what you're up to, Holly, where's, where's the best place on, on social media to find what you're up to? Absolutely. So um, I am mainly on Instagram. I, that's the main one. I'm not on Twitter. Um, I tend to just do a lot of stuff on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is Free Flying Aerial Holly. Free Flying Aerial Holly. I've got my SS picture on there where I'm looking all Woo! serious. And yes. Was like, yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do yeah. this. And then, and then a few days <laughs> like, oh fuck. <laughs> yeah. What am I doing? <laughs> fuck off. That's done. I'm, I'm, I'm out. See you later, guys. In Six some, in some, in, in some sense, it's great that you know yourself and you know when you've had enough. Whereas some of them on there don't. And they just keep yeah. going. That's it. Uh, yeah, I think it takes courage to say, you know what, I've got weaknesses. It does. But I'm prepared yeah. to accept them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, if people want to get in contact with me on Instagram, it's free binarial holly. I will always reply to any messages sent. Oh, bless you. It may not be straight away, but yeah. I've replied to every single message that I've had. Oh, So, brilliant. you know, don't feel like you can't message me. Well, I'll, what I'll do is I'll drop the link in the bottom of the podcast anyway, so so we'll make sure we do Awesome. Well, look, Ollie, it's been an hour. I could, I could t- talk to you all day. It's been an absolute <laughs> joy and an honour to speak to you because you are so brave and what you've done is just absolutely phenomenal. So make sure you keep doing Thank it. You. 
and keep up to date keep up to date with us and come back on next year so you can tell us what you've been up to then uh, and when you've oh. been ninja warrior uk and won that yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. I'll train legs there this time. I'll have yeah, a bit more time yeah. To train the legs. Train legs. Train legs. But yeah, because I mean, to be honest, one of the things I'm working on at the minute um, is I'm trying to do a transgender suicide awareness campaign. Right. Okay. Create a piece of aerial aerial theatre. Yeah. So I'm using the combination of my skills in the aerial world. Yeah. And sort of theatre side. And bringing them together to raise awareness of the transgender suicide wow. rates in the UK. Yeah. Because, you know, according to a recent sort of survey, 84% of trans people in the UK have contemplated suicide. Oh, God. Yeah. And that's, that's for me, 84 too many. And, you know, three and five based physical and verbal abuse. Yeah. It, it, it's, shocking. it's just shocking the statistics. So I've got a chance to change that and change people's minds. So I'm trying to create this piece of aerial theatre, which is going to, you know, highlight these issues in a way that's actually engaging rather than here's a leaflet, here's some statistics. Mm, mm, mm. So I'm trying to crowdfund £10,000. Okay. I've managed to crowdfund £420 in a week, Yeah. which I'm amazed at. So well, we'll put links, send me those links and I'll put them in in the link as well cool. um but that's that's another phenomenal thing you're doing and if you want to come back on the show and talk more about that you know by all means you know come back on i know we've, right. we've been talking about sas all day today oh, bloody sas I mean, it's, <laughs> but, no, yeah, I've, but, I've loved it it's it's oh, been really good good thanks like I said it's, it's a chance to inspire people so Definitely. I've, I've loved it <laughs> brilliant well look look after yourself guys so hot today have a great rest of the day and, and the rest of the week and i'll speak to you soon okay all right no worries thank you, thank you. Thank you. lovely to meet you okay so that's it massive thanks again to holly for joining me today and also to you for listening can't wait to watch the final and see who make wins not wins and always says it's not a winner it's just who completes the course. <laughs> uh, make sure you follow the podcast because coming up in the next months, there are some more extraordinary interviews, uh, just as good as this one with Holly. The podcast streaming on all the usual platforms, Spotify, iTunes, just put my way of thinking. Podcasting, we're also on YouTube if you want to look at this beautiful beard. It's not asked, I'll cut it a little bit shorter. It was better when it was a lockdown beard. Who's got a lockdown beard? Email me. Uh, anyway, to, I'm joking. Keep up with Facebook on social media. Facebook. Keep up with social media. Facebook is more way of thinking. Podcast. Instagram's more what podcast. And Twitch is more way of thinking without a G on the end of three instead. Okay. Uh, and if you'd like to get in touch or you know some, you think you'd be a good guest or you know someone would be a good guest, then email me, mawatpodcast at aol.com. Okay, love this chat. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Until next time, God bless. Take care.